This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. If you have your Bibles, which you should turn to Galatians chapter 6. And we're not going to spend much time on the review of the review, but we're going to, again, I have a desire to get to certain scriptures this evening, but I'm going to take my time and uh, we'll let God speak on this evening. Now, we are to a place where we're talking about the work. And there's a work for us. Our pastor has a role, our pastor has a work, but we have a work. And we know that the work of this time is restoration. So looking at Galatians, chapter 6, and again, the point of this is, you know, our pastor has a role and you have a role, know your role. And let's do it. It's just plain and simple. Let's just know our role and let's take care of our role. In Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Again, we spent time on brethren, because I wanted to make sure you understood who the brethren are. You know, brethren aren't just a few select people of this mess. Everybody. God, you know, I, I, I hear Jesus say, all those that you have given me, I have not lost a one except for the son of perdition. There is no one he is not interested in bringing restoration to that is among us. It is we who separate ourselves based off of, well, I give more than they give, or I'm in attendance more than they're in attendance, or I'm busier than they are in the ministry. It's not about that at all. God wants everybody restored. And so if we see one of our brothers, our sisters, overtaken in the fault, we're supposed to be spiritual. Amen. And we talked about being spiritually mature. You know, being spiritually mature means not caught up so much in myself. One of the blessings to me, again, I love reading behind David, is that when David had his own problems, God sent people his way. <laughs> David, it's not about you anymore. I've already put my hands on you. It may not look like you're in the best place. See, that's what we've got to get out of the mindset of, I've got to be in a certain place in the natural in order to be a blessing in the spiritual. And that's not it at all. See, that's the lie of the enemy that he's placed within churches and within leaders in the church, making you think that you, you've got to have things and stuff in order to prove to the world that you're spiritual. And honestly, the world doesn't need to know whether we're spiritual or not other than us ministering to them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. But we're supposed to be spiritual. We're supposed to be spiritually mature. Because there will be those who are overtaken in a fault. And again, the idea is once a person is overtaken in a fault, the fault has happened. It's already taken place. God is not interested in keeping them apart. God is interested in drawing them back in. Okay? And so the point is that the work of restoration is precious. It's very precious to us. And so we, we have to recognize that now is the time of restoration. And when is restoration time? It is when we have access to those that we know need restoration. And God has provided for us. See, we're provided for. Others have need. Now we're supposed to be the instrument of God working His tools. 
But in order for God to work through us, and we ought to want God to work through us, that ought to be our prayer on a daily basis. God, live in me. God, work through me. God, let Jesus Christ be known through my life and through my words. That ought to be our daily request, to be an instrument of God, to work His tools. But our heart has to be right. And I told you, in order to restore, we all need the same tools. We might have our different roles, might have our different course, might have our different gifts, but we have to let God build the house. And He has a certain set of tools that we must employ. And one tool, the tool that we're concentrating on, not the only tool, but the tool that we're concentrating on, is kindness. We said every tool belt of restoration among us must have kindness. Must have kindness. And we're not just going to be kind to those that we're not close to. (laughs) We're just not going to be kind to people that, that we don't have to deal with that much. We're going to be kind to those of this house. Because people in this house need restoration. And this morning we got a chance to see and we got a chance to review. Jesus said, I am come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. His concern was first making sure restoration took place in his house. Not that restoration was going to take place outside the house, but first let's get it together within the house. Okay? And so we should be kind to both those outside the house, but especially to those that are in the house. Now we didn't go there this morning, but you're in Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 10. And this is still review. We've said these things before. Verse 10 says, As we have therefore opportunity. See, the time of restoration is when the opportunity is available and someone needs restoration. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all, not just some. Not just, you know, here's the thing about it. Because we know each other a little bit too well, we think. Amen. But let's do good unto all. All men, especially. Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Especially to them who are of this house. We have to watch ourselves. Again, we have to remember the one thing we have in common is Christ. We're together because of Christ. When we start knowing each other outside of Christ, we won't have the right attitude one toward another. And truth is, here's the truth. We're not going back to the Ephesians, but I, I wanted you to see Ephesians to make sure you understood. We have a pastor who perfects us so that we might get about the work of the ministry because we need to stay together. We need to be together. You need your brother. You need your sister. You might be living all right right now, but one day you might run across a fall. And you're going to need those who you didn't want to associate with so much, who you didn't want to talk to so much. You don't want to frustrate them like that. And again, I know it's, it's, sometimes it is hard for us to fathom that we would ever need help. But how did you get here? How did you get here? You got here because you recognized I needed help and Christ provided the help. So we left off talking about the quality of kindness. It said it's the behavior of the tender-hearted and the meek. It is to be uh, tender It is to be gentle. It is to be loving. Kindness is the disposition to do good. And I said it leaves a tangible 
it leaves something tangible. Again, not necessarily physical, but it leaves the person who receives the kindness with something they can hold on to. It's going to make a difference in their life. And so I say kindness is the tangible expression of being tender in heart, gentle, loving, considerate, caring, compassionate, and empathetic. You're able to relate to them. Again, they may not be involved with a sin that you're familiar with, but you've been involved with sin. You've been involved with the after effects and the consequences of sin, whatever sin it was that you went through. And so we can empathize. So we can relate to those who have come and they've come across this fault. Again, remember, the Bible does not distinguish between those who came across a fault that really doesn't seem to be their issue or, or, or making of their own are those who made their own mess. doesn't make a distinction. God wants them all restored. But our heart has to be right. And so we're going to take up where we left off on our comments from this morning. Kindness. We're talking about kindness for the purpose of restoration. For the purpose of restoration. And because kindness is needful for restoration, we need to understand kindness makes room for God to work. Amen. You know, when, when it's all said and done, you know, mama loves me and daddy loves me, but I need the hand of God on me. You know, brothers and sisters, they care, but no one can do me and heal me and restore me like God. You see, in your act of kindness, it's just like, you know, it's just like music. I don't know how you are, but you know, if the music is off and or they say something wrong or it's just not together, then God is going to speak to you, but you're not in the right frame of mind. I'm just talking about me. Maybe you don't understand, but, but sometimes it's just not in the right frame of mind because the music was off or it took you someplace else you shouldn't go. And now when God is trying to speak to you, your mind is all cluttered and cloudy and you can't necessarily make out what God is saying, even though God is speaking. That's kindness. See, when we're harsh, when we're short, when we're uppity and snooty toward people, when we won't be generous toward people, or when we are generous, we, we are generous at a price, then we get in the way of God being able to speak. But when we're kind, then it opens up. All, all, all God needs is a, is a little room. And see, the enemy says, all I need is a little space too. And so we're going to employ kindness to give room to God and shut the door on the enemy. So, by employing kindness, we're going to make room for God to work. Now, now understand this about kindness. Kindness does not turn away from sin. You know what I mean by that? Kindness does not ignore sin. I'm going to be kind to you so I can't pay attention to your sin in front of my face. No, that's not kindness. Kindness doesn't ignore sin. And remember, we're talking about restoration. So, at restoration, the sin has already taken place. Can I say this about sin as well? All that is not done in faith is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. So, so get, out your, get out your mind that, that we're talking gross sins. We're just talking about somebody who's not in the place they need to be with God or the place they should be with God. That still is sin. And, but the point is that restoration is needed because the sin has already been committed. So, so we're not turning our face away from sin. What we're doing is we're concentrating on what sin does to a person, what sin does to an individual, 
and the damage done by the individual. So we're going to treat them in a certain way so that they might be restored and repaired by God. All we want to do is give God room. See, He is a healer of the brokenhearted. He's the one who takes the blind and gives them the confession that whereas I once was blind, now I see. We want to give place for God to work. And uh, hallelujah, glory to your name. This is spiritually mature. See, we've got to rejoice with God when our brothers are restored, when our sisters are restored. We've got to rejoice just as much over them being restored as when we were out of the way and we got put back in the right place. See, that's the heart of God. He said, kindness does not beat down the already beaten down. Doesn't beat down the already beaten down. Listen, listen. When you stepped in it, you know what I mean by it? When you stepped in it, and you really stepped in it, you got deep in it, and you rolled around in it, then you come where people are clean, you know you stink. You know you stink. But why'd you come around where people are clean? Because you don't want to stay stinking. You want to be washed up. You want to be clean. And so when, if I've been in the mess, deep in the mess, rolled around in the mess, I know I stink and I come around you, I don't need you telling me you stink. I know that already. That's why I'm coming to you. I come that I might be clean, but you're telling me how stinky I am. I, I don't need to be beaten down. I must have come to the wrong place. Kindness does not beat down the already beaten down. See, when you screwed up and you're suffering for it, you know you screwed up. You don't need somebody telling you, boy, you screwed up this time. I know it. Boy, you screwed up this time. Boy, you made a mess this time. Look at what you did. I don't need that. I'm coming that I might be repaired. I'm coming because there's been a fault and I want it repaired. I'm coming because I'm out of position and I want to be put back in position. I don't have the fellowship I used to have and I want that fellowship back again. I don't need you to tell me that I screwed up. I know I screwed up. I'm coming back because I did screw up. Kindness does not beat down. The already beaten down. Now, now there is balance. I want to make sure we're balanced in all of this. There is no restoration if there's no confession and repentance from sin. There's, there's no. This is why I say kindness just just doesn't look past your sin. If you want to sin and sin and sin and sin in front of me, no, you need something a little bit different. We're talking kindness for the purpose of restoration. Because if you keep at it, you're telling me you don't want to be restored. And I don't have time for those who don't want to be restored. Because the work of restoration is precious. Very precious. So I'm, I'm not saying that, that kindness ignores it. I'm not saying that, that kindness does not uh, get to a place where it has to confront. But we're talking about restoration. If they're in a place to be restored, they must have already confessed and repented from that sin. And if they have, you don't need to tell them, remember your sin? <laughs> Remember why you're here now? That's beating down the already beat down. And that's not kindness. And we're going to get to examples of this. But kindness makes time even when it's not convenient. And again, I, I want to make sure, again, this is all balanced, people. 
because some people will try to take advantage of you being kind, but we're being kind for the purpose of restoration. And we've, we've learned about the value of time. And we don't owe our time to anybody else. And when people want to play your kindness to waste your time, you don't owe them your time. But you recognize there are people that are hurting. You recognize their brothers and sisters, those of this house, those of this family. They need some time. And you, for the purpose of restoration, give time, and that time is going to show up as kindness. It's going to leave a tangible expression with those that you have time for. Amen. They're going to remember in times to come. See, because that little time you gave, it may not have gotten them over to where they need to be, but it's going to start the process. And when it's done, they're going to remember, but you spent time with me. You gave me time when others didn't have time for me. And I was able to hear God because you gave me time. See, it gives room for God to work. Kindness relinquishes the perceived right to another word. It lets it go. It it relinquishes the perceived right to another word. You know how we think we're justified in saying just something extra. And one more thing. We feel we're justified in this. Because what I got to say is true. But is it lovely? Is it full of virtue? Mm-mm-mm. Is it full of praise? See, sometimes kindness says, I am justified in saying this, but for the sake of restoration, I'll keep it to myself and I won't say it. Now, I alluded to this and I had no intention of going here, but now I think I need to go here because I mentioned the prodigal son. Turn to Luke chapter 15. I said, I'm going to take my time. And again, I wasn't going to go here for the sake of time. But I'm going to take my time. So we're going to go here. Because this is a great example. I have other examples I want to get to that I had in mind. But this is a great example. Luke chapter 15. See, you could say something you feel you would be justified in saying. But kindness says, let it go. Let it go. (laughs) Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. And we'll read through this. We're just going to read through it and and just let it minister to us. And he said, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. Now we're talking about family. I like it. Talking about family now. So a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. Do you see what just happened? The son who was in the house has left the house. But he be brethren. See, so now father has lost access. To the son. But son grew up with father. And in the house. See we've got people who grew up here. And they were with us. 
But they chose to go after something that was a little more glitzy. A little bit more glamorous. It looked like gold. It shined like gold, but all their glitters was not gold. But we haven't forgotten about them. They're still family. We call them still members of this house. So here we have the son who had everything he needed in the house, but without any good sense, he left the house. And so now we don't have access like we used to. So verse 13 again. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. Uh, can I just say this? You know, some of us just don't learn unless we learn the hard way. And so many who are overtaken in a fault just couldn't learn it the right way. They had to learn it the hard way. And there's no love in learning it the hard way. So how deep is their fault? Verse 13 again. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. Don't you like how that works? After I spent all, and on top of that, even if I had something, now there's nothing to be had because there's a mighty famine. See, sin takes you deeper than you expected to go. It takes you further than you signed up for. So when he had spent all, then there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Again, it's an amazing thing. He still didn't think about his house. Still wasn't thinking about his house. But he'd be brother. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Oh, glory to God. Do you hear God in that? You see, out in the world, they're not purpose for restoration. They don't care about our family members. They're leaving our family members to themselves. And God is not pleased. Verse 16 again. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself. See, see one day our family is going to come to themselves. One day our children, they're going to come to themselves. Because we know no one is going to treat them like God treats them. And when they get outside of the care of God and those who are under the instruction of God, they're going to be mistreated. So stay the course. Don't get discouraged. Just pray, pray them through until they come to themselves. Verse 17, And when he came to himself, he said, Now how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? See, they're going to remember where they came from. They're going to remember the feeding where they came from. They don't remember how well the people are taking care of where they come from. Hmm. Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. 
I love it. it. It doesn't go through all the details of what he did, but he knew this much. I was out of position. I got out of place. I should have stayed at home, but I left home and called someplace else home. But I want to come home now. I will arise and go to my father. You know what he's saying? I'm going to give my father access. I'm going to give my father an opportunity. So, so now we start thinking about restoration time. See, because no restoration can take place while they're away from us. But as soon as we get access, oh, we recognize why we have that access. We recognize why we have an opportunity. Now, brethren, if any man. See, we've got to know who brethren is. Be overtaken in the fall. Ye which are spiritual. See, we've got to pull out the tool of kindness. Once we have that opportunity. Verse 18 again. I will arise and go to my father. And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Do you hear him? He says, I know I stink. I know I stepped in it. I'm not here to... So you can tell me how stinky I am. I want to get cleaned up. I, I, I know I screwed up. And I didn't come here so I can be reminded of how screwed up I am. I came here because I want restoration. I want repair. And you don't even have to return me to the exact same position I had before. I just want to be in the house again. Verse 18 again. I will arise, go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. See, that's kindness. Kindness is the tangible expression of having compassion. So he had, I believe he would have been justified in saying, Son, didn't I tell you when you were here? Didn't I tell you what was out there in the world for you? And are you eating it now? How does that crow taste? And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off. You see the father's mindset. Father never forgot about son. Father laid claim on son, even though son wasn't in the house with the father. He's still my child. That's still my brethren. And I'm just waiting for an opportunity. And I know what to do with an opportunity. I'm going to have compassion. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You know, he's coming back saying, Dad, I screwed up. I'm stinking. I'm and Dad is showing him compassion and great kindness. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. See, he was ready for the beat down. But father said, no, son, it is time for restoration. Can you just imagine what a life-changing experience that was for the son? And it taught him how to be to others. 
in the time they disappoint Him. But the Father said to His servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on Him. Put a ring on His hand and shoes on His feet. Let's get Him cleaned up. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Why is He going to be merry? Because, verse 24, For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost. He was out of position. He needed restoration. And now he's restored. Now he's found. And they began to be married. See, that's the purpose. That's the whole point. I just want you home. If I get you home, if I get you in the right place again, if I get you cleaned up, let's rejoice. Let's give glory to God. Because I need you. My life is not the same without you. We're fitly joined. We're fitly framed. It's not the same without you. For this my son was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Again, the father could have taken a non-kind way of saying, Well then, go to those other people you trusted in all this time. Go to them and see if they'll help you. Why are you coming to me? He could have taken it and said, yeah, you take a low seat because I'm higher than you. Because I got more sense than you. And your brother's got more sense than you because he stayed. He didn't treat him that way. Showed him supreme kindness. Verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother, the brethren, is come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. See, but ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. And the older son, he ain't so spiritual yet. So verse 28, and he, the older son, was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make, that I might make merry with my friends. He is centered on self. See, that's not spiritually mature. See, you've been taken care of all this time. Your brother has been away experiencing who knows what. You weren't concerned with him. You didn't have a care for him. You're just caring that now he gets something that you never had a chance to get. But you got your pity. But you've been safe all this time. You've been protected all this time. You've been provided for all this time. And you're going to be mad. That someone who was out of position has been brought back into position. You're going to be mad that someone you at one time had fellowship with was away, but now is brought back again, and now we have right fellowship. You're going to be mad at that. you got some learning to do. Verse 30, But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted cat. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. And all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. 
For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. See, he could have said a many different things, but he relinquished the right to another word. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what's going to happen in some cases. What's going to happen in some cases is that the same thing that you pipe, let's take your children, for example. The same thing that you pipe, the same thing that you minister, the same thing that you said over and over and over to your children, they just ignore. They go about and do their own thing. They go out there in the world. And then after a time, they come back. And then someone else tells them the exact same thing you've been saying. Now it's time for you to be kind. And you feel you would be justified in telling them, that's the the thing I've been telling you all this time. Be kind. (laughs) Amen, be kind. See, the purpose is restoration, not your justification. You've already been justified. That's That's enough justification for you. You don't need justification by another word. Relinquish the right. Have compassion. Show a care. Don't add another word. Just be kind. And again, the goal is someone we've lost. See, so you can save that which was lost. Someone we've lost has been found, has been restored. In that, we rejoice. Anything less is immature. And you are not spiritual. So kindness is not predicated. You know, that's my word. I'm sorry. Kindness is not not predicated on the receiver's behavior. In other words, they do not earn kindness. Kindness is not earned. Kindness is given. And in our tool belt, we will give kindness. Now, Now, I told you earlier, people will try you. (laughs) they will push you they will see how sincere you are just give kindness turn to Luke chapter 6 it's not based on the, the person you're showing kindness to it's not based on their behavior Sinful acts in a person's life cannot cause you to put them in a category of not worthy of your kindness. Do you hear me? Sinful acts in a person's life cannot cause you to put them in the category of not worthy of your kindness. Because we have categories of sin. We got sin that we can tolerate. And there's other sin that is just despicable. We can't even fathom anyone close to us, anyone of our family, anyone of our household ever committing those sins. I don't care if it's despicable. I don't care if you can't fathom it. It's not based on their behavior. They're here now for restoration because of their behavior. So they don't earn it. They just get it because we're working. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, because the highest is kind. Unto the, thank, unto the unthankful and to the evil. He is kind to those whose behaviors, if we were to put it on a merit system, wouldn't merit kindness. But he didn't put kindness on a merit system. He says, I'm kind. And remember, God doesn't put his hands to tools. He put his hands to men. You're his instrument. So if he's going to be kind to the unthankful and to the evil, guess who's going to be kind? To the unthankful and to the evil. Guess who's going to be kind to those whose acts are despicable? Who committed sin that we say, I swore nobody in my house would ever do that. But they did it. Now they're testing your sincerity. Now they're saying if you're for real. Now they're saying if you're spiritual or not. See, see, mom and daddy, I heard you quote the scriptures, but now it's time to live it. I'm your test subject. And I know it'll hurt what they did, but it's time to restore. Once you have access again to them, it's time to restore. We're not going to beat down the beaten down. They know they stink. They know they screwed up. The sin has already been committed. Now they're in the midst of a fault and they want to be helped. We're not going to hold kindness back because they did something we thought that they shouldn't have done. And on the other side, some people hide hurt real well. See, see, we can't say, I'm going to be kind for the purpose of restoration for this individual who I hadn't seen in a while because they come and they look tore up. And this other person looks like they got it all together, not saying a word. I'm not going to withhold kindness from them because they look like they got it together. I got to be kind to all. I got to be kind to all. So you can't think of others as though they don't need kindness can't look at them as though everything must be alright. Now, we have a good time of doing that in the church. Judging people based off of what we see. But you don't know. You really don't know. You don't know the struggles they're going through. You don't know how hard it was for them to drag themselves in here and get in here that they, yeah, you might have access to them. Hmm. Kindness is not earned. Doesn't matter if they've done the worst or we don't even know what it is that they've done. Doesn't matter if they look tore up. Doesn't matter if they look like they got it all together. Kindness goes to all. Amen. You know, and, and I'll say this also because we often think about those we haven't seen in a while, but sometimes people we see on a regular basis are struggling. But you've been 
so close to him, remember, because we administer kindness improperly. You've been so close to him, you got some harsh words for him. You got some mean words for him. Can't consider you need to be kind to them as well. And you push them over the edge, you even know it, because you refuse to submit yourself as an instrument of God to employ kindness. Kindness says, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, to the person who needs you and your help, it says this. But for the grace of God, it could have been me. But for the grace of God, I could be in that position right now. That's what kindness says. See, that's empathizing. That's considering. That's being considerate. But for God's grace, see, because we've got to remember this. You know, grace never gets old because it puts us in our place. See, because grace says you didn't earn it. Grace says your acts felt way short. But he's been kind to you. All you did was receive his kindness. And it made a difference in your life. But for his grace, see, where sin did abound. Talking about your sin. Talking about my sin. Because yeah, we think, we, you know, I did this and I did that, but it's not that bad. Where sin did abound, your sin abounded to death and destruction. To separating you from God. But where your sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Not for God's grace, we'd be in terrible conditions ourselves. So that's why when I remember that, I can't beat you down. Because if I beat you down, I deserve to be beaten down. I can't say I can't be inconvenienced for you because if that's the standard, then I should never have had any of God's concentration on me whatsoever. I can't say that. Hallelujah. I can't give you an extra word to justify myself because that's not how God dealt with me. But for His grace. I'd be in need of repair right now. <laughs> Amen. Hmm. Now turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. This is, to me, I like this section of my notes. Put it this way. Because we're trying to make sure you understand. Restoration does take correction. And kindness does not take away correction. Kindness is still employed in correction. Kindness is still used in correction. Correction is still needed. Again, because we hear these things and we want to be kind, 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 ignore sin, don't say anything about sin, never correct it. No, that's not the message you've been hearing. Not, not from here. That's not the message you've been hearing. Also, let me say this. This is, this is right. Kindness is not refusing to correct. That's not kindness. When someone needs to be corrected and you refuse to correct them, that is not kindness. In fact, that's the opposite of kindness. That's mean. You leave them to keep on the wrong way and on the wrong path and won't say anything 
That's not kindness. You see correction is needed. See, because what we want to do is we want to employ kindness when we see the start of something that shouldn't be started. Oh, you didn't hear me on that, right? See, because we want to keep you from having to be restored. So we're going to employ kindness to correct you to begin with so that we don't have to come back and restore you because you wouldn't receive our kindness of correction to begin with. Matthew chapter 18. You know, people refer to this as the principle of agreement, but again, we're well taught in this ministry. It really is the principle of discipline in the church. But in Matthew 18 and 15, it says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Don't you like that terminology? There's our brother. Brother. And if he trespass against you, you need to tell him his fault. Brother, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. So now we have the start of a fault. And now we have our brother in the start of a fault. And if the fault has been started, our brother needs to be corrected. And we're going to do it in the spirit of meekness. We're going to do it with kindness. So again, kindness is not refusing to correct. I see that there's a fault. I see that you're in a wrong position. I see you're doing something wrong. My kindness is going to go to you and tell you about your wrong. That's kind. And I know it, it, it never seems kind at the moment, uh, but it's kind. <laughs> when someone tells you you're doing wrong, I know it never sounds kind, no matter how they say it. You yelled at me. I didn't yell at you. I just told you you did wrong. That, that's how correction is received. That's how correction feels. At the moment, whether it's said loudly or said softly, correction is never pleasurable at the moment that it is administered. But here's the kindness. The kindness is, first of all, there's an issue. I recognize the fault, and I am going to go between you and me alone. Amen. And if he shall hear thee, Thou hast gained thy brother. See, we have a small record of restoration taking place right there. And no one else needs to know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I'm telling you, this is not for the... I can't say that. I can't use that word. It's not for the people who talk too much. How about that? It's not for the people who talk too much. See, people who talk too much and like to spread gossip... You're not spiritual. You're not spiritual. You can't be kind properly. You'll say the wrong things. Do the wrong thing. See, when you want everybody to know about somebody else's issue, that's not kind. But when I recognize there's an issue with you and me recognizing the issue instead of going to somebody else and telling you, you know, they got an issue. When I go to you on my own, when I go to you in private, that's kindness. Ooh, glory to your name. Are, are you hearing God speak to, to you right now? See, you were wrong when you went before other people to tell them about somebody else's wrong. You were wrong to tell and to go and whisper around that person outside. You didn't do it in front of their face. You went behind them and talked to others. Do you see the same fault that I see about them? You're out of the will of God. And you're not spiritual at all. 
care how much scripture you know. I don't care how long you've been at this ministry. That is not kind. That is not proper. There's no compassion there. There's no consideration there. There's no, there's no relation there. You're not relating to anybody. And no doubt when you do that, you think you're something that you're not. You see, because again, we'll go back to Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. It makes me want to go back to Matthew 23. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. But remember, we talked about the Pharisees. How they make the cup outside look good. But it's despicable on the inside. But he starts out that conversation by telling them, instead of you trying to lodge yourself over other people, remember, you're all brethren. You're not more of a Christian than your brother who you're trying to talk about behind their back. You're not a better believer than your brother or sister in whom you think you see a fault. But for the grace of God, and in all honesty, it might be you and you just can't see it because you're not spiritual at all. Trying to take care of somebody else's moat when you've got a beam in your own eye. When instead you should have been kind. And maybe there would have been an exchange there at that time. And maybe they could have told you about your fault. Again, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Y'all need to calm down. But do you see how kindness is supposed to work? Because in all honesty, we know better than that. We know better than go to somebody else and, and tell them about somebody else's fault. See, that's wicked. That's wretched. That's evil at the core. Know your role. Know your role. You know, I've got to step back and say that. Because from this setting, sometimes we'll say some things that are harsh. But we'll say it from this setting because we give it to everybody the same. Don't you go and try to play the role of the pastor and say it like pastor says it to an individual. It won't work. Know your role. Know your role. See, because when you go to the individual on your own and on their own, you still do it with kindness. You still do it with kindness. See, because remember, they trespassed against you. Oh, this time it's personal. They, they didn't just commit some nebulous sin <laughs> against somebody else. They sinned against you. They did you wrong. So you're going to have to, mm, you have to get yourself together. You're going to have to relinquish the right to say it the wrong way. You're going to employ kindness to this person you think did you wrong. Oh, oh, but ye which are spiritual. Oh, now you understand why we entitle it this way. Ye which are spiritual. Because it's so easy to say when it's not you. It's so easy to say when you haven't been the one that's been transgressed against. But now when it turns to you, and you're the one that they hurt. You're the one that they made upset. And now you've got to go to the one that upset you. And you've got to do it in kindness. See, this is spiritual stuff. This is not for spiritual babies. It's for those who are serious and committed. 
But again, at the end of verse 15, there is the point. Thou hast gained thy brother. Kindness is for the purpose of restoration. We want to restore them, not only with God, we want to restore them with us. Because again, I want to remind you, when we talked about oneness, our oneness is through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. So if they're out of position with Christ, they're out of position with us. So if they get back in position with Christ, they're back in position and true fellowship with us. And that's what we're after. Amen. <laughs> Glory to your name. So do you see the effectiveness of kindness? Again, to me, this is one of the most powerful statements I believe I've ever heard. (laughs) Kindness is employed to minimize the damage of discipline. Because there's going to be, again, I want to remind you, these are scriptures we should know. But no chastisement for the present. When it is administered, is pleasant. It hurts. It does not feel good. But when it's administered in kindness, it minimizes the hurt. It minimizes the damage. Now, some of us want others to hurt. You're wrong. Again, be careful. For with the same measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Well, they deserve. No, you deserve. But you don't want what you deserve. So give it like you want it. Hallelujah. Give it like you want it. Give and it shall be given again. A good measure. Press down and shaken. <laughs> Hallelujah. So be careful. So if you want somebody to hurt because they did you wrong, hurt's coming back to you. And that's only right. But kindness is employed to minimize the blow of discipline. So again, kindness does not say there won't be discipline. Kindness is employed to minimize the damage of discipline. So, wow. Long-suffering. I don't want you to consider that word. Long-suffering is something else. You can define it in so many ways, but long-suffering really is the extension of love to its limit. That's what long-suffering is. And so long-suffering would include extending kindness. But there's a limit. (laughs) Amen. Amen. But there's a limit. Because I want you to understand this about correction and discipline. Kindness does not replace discipline. Kindness is used to help minimize the damage of discipline. Okay? And so while long-suffering is going on, kindness is going to be extended. But there's a limit. Turn to 2 Thessalonians. Actually, keep your ribbon there in Matthew chapter... Where were we? 18. Keep your ribbon there and turn 
to Second Thessalonians, I believe, chapter three. Oh, this is balance. I'm so, I'm, this is balance. I, no one's going to be able to come in here and pull the wool over our eyes and sin and sin and sin and think we're just going to be kind to them and look beyond their sin and not discipline, not correct. That is wrong. Second Thessalonians. There comes a time when you have to care enough about your restoration. If you're the one needing to be restored, there comes a point in time when you have to care enough about your restoration to change. So I'm not going to just be kind to you for the purpose of restoration. You never change. Do you hear me? See, because there is a limit. Uh, we're just not going to put up with you 20 years committing the same sin over and over and every week. But you're supposed to be kind to me. No, there's a limit. Uh, God has ordained a limit. I tell you, Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, keep your finger there and turn back to Matthew 18. And let's read through this. Starting at verse 15 again. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee... See, see now we're extending kindness. Now we're extending kindness. But there's a limit. But if he will not hear thee, go ahead and extend a little more kindness. Then take with thee one or two more. Again, we're not going to make this a public affair. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. You, you see, that's kindness extended. Uh, and now do you see the different tiers of kindness? So the first kindness was just between you and me. Now another tier is, now it's just not going to be me and you knowing about it. Now I've got to bring in a couple of other people that in the mouth of two or three witnesses. See, now there's another level. But we're still being kind. And correction is still going forward. Seventeen. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. Uh, so now we got to another level. Now a lot more than just one or two know. Now the church knows. But it's still kindness. Because the purpose is to get our brother restored. But if you correct someone who needs correcting and they keep refusing to correct themselves, there's a limit. Verse 17, if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, there's the limit. Let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Wow. You see, because we say it all the time, long-suffering doesn't mean suffer forever. And so in our long-suffering, we're going to extend kindness. But it's for the purpose of restoration. And remember, I told you, we don't have time to spend on people who refuse to be restored. There are too many people who want it and desire restoration. And so in our kindness, we're going to be kind. And kindness does not exclude correction. Kindness includes correction. And in our kindness, as we, in our kind way, correct. If they refuse to change. See, there needs to come a point in time in a person's restoration, they have to want to change. If they refuse to change, then things change. 
Whereas we were being kind to tell them just the matter between us and them alone. And then we were kind again not to tell too many people, but only brought in two or three others. Then we were kind enough to tell the church so that you might be ashamed to the point that you might get out of the fault. But you refuse to come from that fault, then there's a limit. Amen. Turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. When someone hits the limit, there's a protocol. And God gave it to us. Just so you understand, I'm not talking out the side of my neck. It's not something I came out with out of thin air. It's the word of God. It's the standard of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's start at verse 13. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. I like that verse right there. Because remember, we, we ran across the word endeavor this morning. We got endeavor, which means it's going to take some work. When it says be not weary, it means that somebody's going to work you. Somebody's going to test you. They're going to put your sincerity to the test, but you have to not be weary in well-doing. What is kindness? The disposition to do good, to do well. But you, brethren, don't be weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him that he may be Ashamed. See, there's a limit. Oh, there's a turn. There's a change. Ooh, my, I, I love it. I love everybody. Oh, kindness, kindness. Oh, great. Kind, well, there's a limit. Yes, there is a limit. Because the purpose is restoration. And restoration is to get them in right place again. But if they refuse to get in right place, then they don't get the same benefits. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Now, I want to tell you, this is still kindness, but it looks a whole lot different. (laughs) It looks a whole lot different. Because, again, the purpose is that they might be restored. And since you can't listen, since you can't take correction, since you can't obey the word of God, you don't have true fellowship with us. See, this is what I mean by biblical fellowship. See, because we think no matter what a person does, if we go out to Luby's together, we have fellowship. No, our fellowship is in Christ Jesus. And if you can't be in right position with Christ, if you refuse to be in right position with Christ Jesus, you don't have fellowship with us. And we're not going to bar you from the doors necessarily. You can come and visit all you want to, but you're not a member like you were of the brethren. Now, you still be brethren, but you don't have the same fellowship. But why? So that they might be ashamed to the point that they come to themselves. Just like that lost son. And then they confess, I have sinned against heaven and against my family. It's all for purpose. It is not cutting them off to keep them cut off. It's cutting them off for the purpose of them recognizing, you know, you're in the wrong position. You're in the wrong place. Your kindness is restricted to correction. And the end is that your brother or sister is restored to a right position. And I like verse 15. 
15 says, Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. No, they're not an enemy. But there's someone who needs correction. And kindness was first employed to minimize the damage, but they refused to respond properly to the kind correction. Amen. Don't you refuse to respond properly to kind correction. Because they're being kind after the order of God to minimize the damage of correction. The damage of discipline. We don't want it to get to a point where you're cut off from us and fellowship from us before you come to yourself. We want to do it when no one else knows about it except me and you alone. This is why I tell you, don't poo-poo somebody because they come to you kindly and correct you. Because they did it kindly, you think it is of no consequence. No, that is the goodness of God coming to you to prevent you from the damage that you're going to do yourself if you do not listen. Do not take heed to the correction. They just don't like me. God is trying to keep you from hurt. They're just against me. God is trying to keep you from hurt. It is your responsibility, once they come to you and kindly correct you, to judge yourself. Examine yourself. See if what they said is true or not. And if it is true, make the correction. Also, and, oh, man, we don't have time for this. Well, well, I'll just say this, okay? I also want to make sure you understand, again, kindness does not take away a place for righteous indignation. There comes a point in time when we need to be righteously indignant. It really does, okay? There is a place for it. But, again, we use kindness early on in the process to prevent it from getting to a place Righteous indignation is going to come out. You understand? And so, kindness has its, oh, it has its very important place. It has its very important place. And again, our responsibility is to administer in kindness. But also, we've got to consider ourselves. We're subject to faults. We're subject to stepping out of the way. And we want to thank God for His kindness when we step out of the way. And again, we consider ourselves. How do you want to get it? That's how you give it out. And I really am, I can't go any further. I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.